return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. And George, uh, we bless you, brother. I'm believing this won't be the last time you share here. It'll just be a, it'll be a temporary. Uh, season and so forth, but we just uh, appreciate you and Francesca and your lives, and of course we'll stay in touch uh, through the times coming up, uh, excited for what God has for him, just to hear how he's working in New York as well. So let's welcome George Apokokusi as he comes to share. Did you want this mic, George? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Dave. I really appreciate all of the blessings that I have received. Um, incidentally, in the Bible, when you look at blessings, they, they come in the form of words. Uh, the patriarchs, when you study them very well, they always passed on words. They left properties and things for their children, but the real blessing was always the word of the mouth of the man of God. And I count myself blessed to have sat under your ministry with uh, uh, Pastor Ginny and all the anointings in the house. One of the unique things about your ministry is the blend of anointings and how you put people together um, to minister here um, so you, you have a balanced diet. Amen. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing that you don't really find in other ministries. Um, and then to have... Um, to see young people and be able to see their potential. Sometimes even when, when they don't see that, you are able to see that and pull them forth. And you've raised many sons in the ministry, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, let's put our hands together for Papa and, and Pastor Jeannie. They've done a wonderful work. I have watched myself grow, and I know I'm not the only person. Amen. Yeah. So tonight, I want to talk to you about contending for the faith. Um, contending for the faith. I have been thinking about what to share with you. Um, and like Papa said, this hopefully won't be my last. We are looking um, that as, as the Lord permits, our path will be redirected back, back to Brookings. So, um, but this subject is very important because without our faith as Christians what we have left is a mere religion. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Without the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, what we have in Christianity is just a religion. And we will be, in many ways, not very different from other religions. They also have doctrines. They also have, in fact, they also have faith in, some, in, some, in something. You know, every religion believes in something. So our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the scriptures is extremely important. And we have to understand that most of the battles that we face as children of God 
is really because the devil is after your faith. He's not as interested in your money or your car or whatever. The last time I told you, the devil doesn't need a job. If you're having a problem on your job or he's creating problems for you on your job, it's not because he needs your job. He doesn't. (laughs) He doesn't need your car. He doesn't drive a car, you see. But he comes after anything that can affect how you believe in God. And so I want to encourage you tonight to hold on to that faith. And to become strong in that faith. And to contend for it. Um, The word contend is actually very interesting. This particular word appears about 14 times in the Bible. But in all the contexts that it appears, it seems to to be described in the form of either somebody is fighting a battle or somebody is wrestling. Either you're wrestling with another man or a man wrestling with God. So... Contending means that there is a fight. And every believer is involved in a fight of faith, whether you are aware of it or not. We've we've said this so many times, coronavirus and all these things happening around us. What the devil is really interested in is what happens to your faith when you go through a situation. So when Jesus prayed for Peter, he said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. He didn't say, I prayed for you that you won't cry. Because sometimes you may cry, Peter. And he did cry. He didn't say, I've prayed for you that you may not be disappointed. Because Peter felt disappointed in himself. When he denied Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm praying for your faith. Because that is what he is interested in. And that's exactly what the devil also comes after. And so there are two things that the devil is always after. It's either after your soul or after your faith. And if he can't get your soul because you're a child of God, he contends for your faith. And that's why when Jesus talked about the parable of the sower, he says the devil comes to steal the word. He steals the word from the minds and from the heart of those who don't understand. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if he takes the word from you, then you have no material to produce faith. Do you see that? So your faith is extremely important. Papa said this morning, and I quote, Your relationship with God is dependent on your concept of God. Permit me to add by saying that your concept of God is also dependent on your understanding of his word, his will, and his personality. This is extremely important because a distorted understanding of God's word will produce a distorted faith. Can I say it again? A distorted understanding of God's word produces a distorted faith. And a distorted faith will produce a false perception of God. Because faith is the means by which we perceive God. Because he's a spirit. He lives in the spirit. Even when Jesus appeared in the physical realm, it took faith to perceive who he was. He asked Peter, whom do men say I am? Even when he manifested physically, men were still confused. Because without faith, it is is impossible to please God. It's impossible to come to God. 
Now, think about this. If I, were, if I was wearing uh, some kind of a sunglasses, and sunglasses are tainted, right? That, that sunglasses has a filter. So many of you in this room would look colored. Not because you are colored persons or you are people of color, but because I'm looking through a filter that gives me a perception that the things I'm looking at or the people I'm looking at are colored. So if I change the glasses, and let's say this time I'm wearing something that makes things look yellow. So I may see Jeff as yellow, not because he is. That's that, not because that's what he really is, but because that's my perception. Do you see that? So, faith is the lens by which you view God, your faith. So, if your faith is not accurate, if your faith is not built on the word of God, your perception of God will be faulty. Do you see that? And what Satan is busy doing is he is busy getting people distracted from what really matters. And he is busy attacking the faith of Christians and he does it subtly. And sometimes we don't even realize he's the one doing it. Because he's a thief. And that's what thieves do, right? Praise the Lord. So, your faith is important because that's how you perceive God. Some people perceive God as this old man with a big hammer looking to strike your head at the, at the slightest mistake you make. Even in the Old Testament, they did not have a good perception of God. They didn't have a complete picture of how God looked like. What his character was like. So when Jesus appeared and was having a conversation with his disciples, after he had lived his life, before he went to the cross, he was telling them about the Father. And one of the apostles said, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And he said, I have been so long with you and you have not known the Father. Understand that whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, in Jesus, we truly perceive what God looks like. And without Jesus, you cannot see what God really looks like. Praise the Lord. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Your faith is also the bridge by which you connect to the power of God. So, not only is your faith a spiritual lens, but your faith is the bridge that connects you to the supernatural. It connects you to the power and the word of God. Now, the, in, in, in the book of Luke 8, from 43 to 45, it's about the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And we all know this story. But what I want to point out to you is that despite the fact that everybody was around Jesus... She was the only person who built a bridge. She was the only person who tapped into the power of the Lord. Not because Jesus called her out to minister to her. He didn't even know who she was. He wasn't aware that she was there. Can you, can you imagine? This is God Almighty. With all the giftings of the Spirit at work in Him. And yet, he couldn't figure out who this woman was. She came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? 
Now, that sounds like a nonsensical question because Peter was like, everybody, the multitudes are thronging you and they are pressing you. And you say, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody touched me. Because somebody had a bridge. Somebody had a connection to the power of God. And it was because of the faith of this woman. Praise the Lord. Your faith is a bridge. (laughs) Oh. And one of the reasons why the devil is after your faith is also because your faith has eternal value. It's one of the things you take from this life to the next one with you. Praise the Lord. Your cars won't go with you. Your house won't go with you. My degrees won't go with me. (laughs) None of those things. Yeah, we work very hard. I I told Francesca one time, I was like, man, six to seven years. I mean, it's been fun. I like it. PhD, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just a paper. They give you a paper. Oh, well done. (laughs) It's good. It's good. It's a sense of accomplishment. And what really matters is what you do with it. But the fact is, let's say I'm in my grave right now. That paper is of no use to anybody. It's of no use to me. But my faith will transcend beyond the grave. Because your faith is of eternal value. It's something that surpasses this life. And that's the power of Christianity because our faith and our lives as Christians is not just about what we do here. It's about the life beyond this place. It's about the fact that Jesus is coming back and we are expecting him. It's about the fact that when all is said and done, he's going to usher in a new world. Our faith transcends this life so when you have strong faith in god you are able to face circumstances because you are actually transcendent you see beyond the ordinary praise the lord now why should we contend for the faith or how should how should we contend for the faith let me just say how should we contend for the faith because there are so many things happening in our time That a lot of Christians are being distracted. And a lot of Christians are being subtly deceived. And they don't see it. But to contend for the faith, one of the things we must do. Number one is we must rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. I told you that faith comes from the word of God, right? But the word of God works like a jigsaw. It's like... The Old Testament, and that's why people get confused. You see, the prophets who prophesied in the Old Testament, none of them really had an accurate, or I wouldn't say accurate because that's not the right word to use. None of them had a complete revelation of God's mystery plan in Christ. The mystery, the plan that Paul was talking about, that God's eternal plan in Christ... None of, them, none of them saw the full picture. But they were giving bits and pieces of the revelation. So you find some of it in, in, in Genesis. You find some of it in Exodus. You find some of it in the books of the prophets. They spoke about different aspects and different parts of Jesus Christ. 
So in order to rightly understand the scriptures, you have to be able to rightly divide it and put it together. To reconstruct the picture, the perfect picture that God wants you to have. That's why Papa always talks about reading the Bible through a New Testament filter or a New Testament lens. Because if you just quote something from the Old Testament or even from the New Testament without understanding the concept, you might miss what God is really saying. And one thing about the prophetic realm is prophets most of the time, sometimes they sound very confusing to people, but most prophets when they are in the spirit, they, you can lose track of time. Because once you are in the prophetic realm, you are in God's dimension. And in God's dimension, time is relative. God sees the past, the present, and the future at the same time. So when you read the books of the prophets, you find out that sometimes they are talking about something that is happening in Israel at the time they are preaching. But actually they are referring to Christ in the future. Or they may be talking about something that happened in the past. So you need to view the Bible through God's New Testament filter in order to interpret and understand it clearly. Praise God. The word of God must be rightly divided. And that's one of the things I love about this church. It's because everybody, Papa Dave himself, and everybody Papa brings up here, endeavors to divide the word of truth. Because that is necessary for us to build the right kind of faith. I told you that your faith is dependent on the word of God. And that affects your perception. So if you are not accurately, if you are not effective at being able to put the word of God together properly, it will affect how you perceive God. That's one of the reasons why even the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not recognize Jesus when he showed up. They read the scriptures every day. But because they could not put it together, they could not rightly divide it, they couldn't perceive him. He said, you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Not because they, did, they were not reading, but because they couldn't put it together. So, to rightly divide the word of truth means to cut straight. The word translated rightly divide means to cut straight or to cut straight ways. You see, it also means to proceed on straight path. To proceed on a straight path or to hold a straight course. You have a straight course in Christ. Praise the Lord. You have a straight, not because life will always be convenient or comfortable, no. But because your faith will cushion you to have a straight course in life. Despite everything you will go through in life, you can look back and see that you have made progress. That's the way life is. But sometimes the enemy tries to get you to focus on the small little things that happen. But if you really want to see if God is working in your life, look back and see where you have come from. I know where I have come from. I know where I was born. I know how I grew up. I know my situations. But I know that God has brought me through. Amen. We must rightly divide the word of truth. One of the things that we must learn to do, along with accurate study of the scriptures, is... Praying in the spirit. It's extremely important. And it's something that creates a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. And I've said it's because the devil is not stupid. 
He's not stupid. He fights. He's a very strategic war person. And think about this. He's been around for centuries. He's been around for centuries. So he's not stupid. Watch it. Most of the things in the Bible that creates a lot of confusion, most of the time, that's where the power is. Are you hearing me? Most of the time, that's where the power is hidden. And it's confusing, not because God wants it to be confusing. Because he says he's not the God of confusion. So the confusion is not from God. It's from some other place. Am I making sense to you? In Jude chapter 1 verse 20, Jude makes a very powerful statement. You know, the book of Jude is where I picked the subject for tonight's message from. Because when he was talking to the believers... He said, when I took time to write unto you, I thought it was necessary for me to encourage you, to plead with you, to implore you, to contend for the faith, which was once given to the apostles. Why? Because he was concerned that the faith would be diluted or would be changed. Because there were certain things happening. And one of the instructions he gives them in Jude, because Jude is only one chapter. One of the things he tells them is to build themselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. He said there will be false teachers. There will be this, there will be that. But he told them how to maintain their faith in God. He said learn to pray in the Spirit. Hold on to the teachings of the apostles. Hold on to the teachings of the word, but learn to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because he said, you build yourself on your most holy faith. So, praying in the spirit is like you are building a superstructure on a foundation. Am I making sense to you? So, you are actually constructing something in the spirit. That's how God built your life. That's how you become a giant in the kingdom. He tells us the secret. Building up yourself. Building up yourself. Now that tells you that you are also responsible for the building. He didn't say God is going to build you. God is building you but the mechanism is that you are participating in this prayer. This is how you experience ever increasing faith. You know, when the word of God comes to you. And you leave the word to dangle. The devil steals it. But when the word of God comes to you, you incorporate it into God's spiritual edifice. Do you see that? You incorporate, you add the word. You add it to your life. You add it to your faith. And one of the ways you do that is by learning to pray. It makes your spirit very sharp. It makes your spirit very sharp because the word of God, your spirit man actually is the reception center for the word of God. That's, that's, where, the, that's where the antennas are. It's not in your mind, it's in your spirit. Praise the Lord. So learn to pray in the spirit. Because as you pray in the spirit, you become stronger and stronger and stronger. You become stronger in the faith. You become stronger in the faith. Now, there are, there are four things I learned from the scriptures. There are four things that happen 
when you pray in the spirit. Three of them are always attributed to the personal growth of the believer. There are four main things that happen. Let's quickly go through it. Number one is personal edification. Yeah, you are personally charged. You are personally empowered. It's like charging my batteries. You know, because sometimes you look at the news, you walk outside, you talk to people, you can just listen to the news and be depressed. It's, it's interesting. Remember, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. He controls the atmosphere. He likes to create an atmosphere of fear, of intimidation, of chaos. That's his job. So if you're always listening to that, you can be depressed. But you can charge yourself. You can charge yourself up. Amen. Learn to charge up from time to time. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4. The Bible says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. He charges himself. He charges himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, the other thing, so number two, the the second thing that happens when you pray in the spirit is that God sometimes releases the word of prophecy through praying in tongues. And we've seen that many times in church where a tongue comes and an interpretation follows. So most of the time, tongues plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. Do you see that? But it's not just meant for the church. It can happen even in your closet, whilst you are alone with God. Sometimes that's how you decode the mind of God concerning situations. Because you're looking, I'll give you an example. Something happened last week, very interesting. I was, I was, doing, I was working on a project, and in this project you have to kind of come up with some kind of codes to solve a problem, okay? And I had sat on the thing for 13 hours. And I couldn't solve the problem. I couldn't find the I knew there was an answer. I just couldn't find it. And so <laughs> um Francesca called me and she realized I was beginning to get frustrated. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave this thing and go pray in the spirit. So I left and went over to lie on my bed. I just prayed five minutes in the spirit. And I felt the Lord, the Lord tell me, it's okay, just go ahead and sleep. I was like, go ahead and sleep. That, like, I have a deadline. About ten minutes later, I woke up without thinking. I just walked straight to my my, I have a small office in my, in my house. I walked there, and the first two things I typed pulled out exactly the answer I needed. Amen. I wasn't even thinking. Amen. And so when she came, I told her, I was like, why, did, why didn't I do this one first? I spent 13 hours trying to solve this problem without asking the Lord first. I was like, I changed my mind. Next time I know how to address this problem. If I find a, a situation that I can fix, I pray in the spirit first before I waste time on, on this thing. You see, it works, it doesn't work, it works in every area of life. Sometimes you're making a decision. You want to know what, what steps to take, what to do about the situation. But God knows what you should do. But you see, our minds... Our minds are in touch with our physical world and in touch with the spirit at the same time. Your mind is just a tool. 
So sometimes you may think you know what the answer is, but you find yourself struggling because you don't really know what the answer is. But if you, if you pray in the spirit, the answer, God can put the answer in your spirit without you even knowing. It will it show up. Just like that. The Bible says, the apostles, they fasted and ministered to the Lord. And as they prayed, the Holy Ghost said, separate Paul and Barnabas unto me for the assignment unto which I have chosen them. But until, the Bible shows us how the Holy Ghost said, he said whilst they were praying, what is God saying to you? What do you need God to say to you? What do you need God, what do you need to hear from God? Because prayer is the means by which we commune with God. For the Christian, prayer is not religion. No, it's a necessity. We don't pray because we have to. We pray because that's the way we commune with God. That's the way we hear God. And praying in the spirit particularly is extremely important. One of the things, the third thing that happens when you pray in the spirit is that the Holy Spirit intercedes through you. In Romans chapter 8, Verse 26, the Bible shows us um, how that the Spirit also helps in our weakness. You see, and he shows us what that weakness is. He says, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes you are addressing You're praying about something and you think that this is the problem. But that may not be the problem. There may be something else that is causing the problem. Which you can't see or you don't know. But God knows that. If you learn to pray in the spirit, he can address that issue. He can bypass your mind and address it. Because, you see, when I'm I'm talking to you right now, I'm speaking English. Everything is coming through my mind. So, my vocabulary... what, what you hear is limited to my vocabulary. Do you see that? The mind is limited. My mind is limited. So you can only hear as much as I have to say. And sometimes that's what happens when we are praying to God with our, our petitions. We are limited in our understanding of the issues. And how the issues should be addressed. Because there are laws in the spirit. There are laws. You know, when it comes to people understand there's a way you file your taxes, there's a way you drive your car, there's a way there's a way of doing everything. But when it comes to prayer, some Christians think you can just say anything. No. There are rules of engagement. And the Holy Spirit understands that. So sometimes when you are limited, he is not. So if you learn to pray in the spirit, he takes over that prayer. And helps you to address situations that you don't even know about. Paul was praying. He was praying, I don't know what he was praying about. But when he was blinded by his encounter with Jesus Christ. He was fasting and praying. And Jesus appeared to one of the disciples. And said, Ananias, go and pray for Paul. Not because Paul knew Ananias necessarily. But Jesus responded to Paul's prayer by giving Ananias a vision. 
Ananias was a person who was attuned to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, and he knew exactly what to do. Paul began his ministry because of Ananias and Barnabas. But if these people were not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, if they were not people who understood what God wanted, they would have missed it. And all of us would have missed it. Because look at the books Paul wrote. Look at the impact he made. Do you see that? Sometimes there's a need for direction. There's a need. But when you are not in tune with the Holy Spirit, you may not know what he wants, to, what he wants you to do. If it were left with Ananias alone, he would not have gone to pray for Paul. Even when Jesus himself appeared, he argued. said, this man, no. <laughs> do you see that? So naturally, he wouldn't have done it. But he did it because he was moved. He was directed by the Spirit of God. Praying in the Spirit keeps you in tune with God. You are able to take the steps that you need to take. Ananias didn't see all the books that Paul will write. Ananias didn't see that our generation will be very dependent on the revelations coming through Paul's writings. Barnabas and all these people who followed the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to do what God wanted them to do did not necessarily foresee our day. But they just obeyed the Spirit of God. And look at the results. Praise the Lord. The other thing you need to do, well, the the fourth thing that happens when you pray in the Spirit is actually that tongue speaking can also be assigned to the unbeliever. And I'd like to explain this a little bit, not because it's particularly relevant to this topic, but Sometimes when you pray in the language of the Spirit, you could be speaking a language that is understood by other people. It happened in the book of Acts. See chapter 2 verse 8. That's what happened there. But that's not what always happens. That's That's just one of the things that happens when you pray in the Spirit. That God is able to give a sign to people who do not believe. Okay? But it's not always that Tongues is a sign. So, some of the people who don't necessarily believe in in the power of this gift, they use this as their argument in Acts 2 verse 8. But that's not the reason. It's just one of the things that happen. One of the other things that you need to do to contend for the faith is to walk in love. Love is the greatest force in the universe. Praise the Lord. You, You remember, let's go back to Jude 120. He says, but you, beloved, praying, building up yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Can you give me verse 21? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Because love is a, is a choice, it's a decision. But divine love is actually a spiritual force. It's actually the fruit of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love. So one of the things that happens to you when you learn to pray in the Holy Spirit is that as your spirit develops and grows, you learn to walk in love. You notice that he puts, he puts praying in the Spirit and walking in love in the same sentence. Have you noticed that? It's a secret so many Christians don't know. Because praying in the Spirit is one of the means by which God puts to death the, the emotional barriers 
the limitations we have in our minds and in our emotions that affects the way we love. You see, he's able to put those things to death so that you can freely flow in the spirit. So that you can walk in the love of God. Because your spirit man is made of love. And as your spirit develops, you learn to walk in love. Christians in our generation, the world is confused. I understand what's happening in America now with the contention. Um, But the church can show the way. Amen. Amen. The church can show the way of love. So that's my word for you tonight. Hold on to the word of God. Hold on. Keep hope alive. Because God is faithful. He that has promised is faithful. Learn to depend on the word of God. Learn to have hope. Be founded on the scriptures. There have been times when I was like, I was super tired, but I still dragged myself to church. And, and many of those times, I, I always had a very powerful word that lifted me up. Always. Coming to church for you shouldn't be just something you do. It's a necessity. Praying, studying the scriptures, that's a necessity. That's how you develop yourself. That's how you grow in the spirit. You may be aware of these things already, but it's important for me to emphasize them again and again and again. Without the word, there is nothing we can do. Without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing we can do. We are powerless. Two of the pillars of Christianity is the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And what you learn to do in this church is to balance the two and apply it to your life. It is my prayer that God will continue to strengthen you. That God will continue to lift you. And give you foresight. Of what he has prepared for you. Not only in this life, but in the next. So that despite life's circumstances. Despite life's situations. You always have hope. And faith. In Jesus Christ. Let's be on our feet. He is faithful. He is faithful. I want you to begin to bless the name of the Lord. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his word. Thank him for his word that brings faith. That brings courage. Papa talked about encouraging yourself in the Lord today. Take the word of God. Say thank you Jesus. Thank him for his word. That builds you. That encourages you. Thank him for his spirit. That empowers you. He's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. I want you to pray that. Your faith in him will be strengthened. And that you will be unmovable. Most of the things that are happening in our world today. Seeks to move believers. But refuse to be moved. Father in the name of Jesus. 
thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. We know that we are not alone. The world may be confused, but we are not. The world may be full of darkness, but we are full of light. We stand on your word. Rain or shine. In darkness or light. And we believe that with you all things are possible. We believe you just like the apostles did. We believe you just like Peter. Just like Paul. Just like James. Just like the men and women of old. Who put down their their lives for what they believed in. We know that with you. We can scale mountains. We can cross valleys. We can come out of every situation that we face. Because with our God. All things are possible. We shall contend for the faith. And we will stand on your word. You said that when the son of man comes. Shall he find faith in the earth. Father we pray that you will count us worthy. As your faithful ones. When you return. We give you glory. For an answered prayer. In the name of your holy son Jesus. Amen. Amen. God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.